Well, hey, good morning, Rock Hill family and extended family who are joining us for our online worship service. Today is a little bit unique. We're having one service under a tent right outside the sanctuary, our united service at, here at 930. And due to video technical issues, we decided just to pre-record a sermon for you this morning. We hope that you are having a great holiday weekend. We know that many are traveling or being with family and we love that you're able to do that. We're excited to be under the big tent and having a fish fry and fun and family event with our church family. A couple of things to just highlight for you as before we get started. This last week, our preteeners left on Sunday and went to camp and they have returned and our junior hires left on Monday and returned from camp as well. And the reports coming from that are really, really positive. Students have received Christ, which is so good. We've seen some students choose to surrender their lives to vocational ministry, which is a great joy. We've also seen some students open up and bear out some things that we were able to walk with them through. And that is always a good thing for them to expose the things that have been hidden in darkness. So we're grateful, parents, for allowing us to take your kids to camp. And we're grateful for our volunteers who went and have been serving just so faithfully over these last few days. I can tell you they are tired. My oldest slept until 11 a.m. the next day when she got back from camp. She was so tired. So we're grateful for, grateful for that. Also a little report, we've been in an all-in giving emphasis during this time from Memorial Day until Labor Day. And just a little report on that, it looks like things are picking up, are giving to be able to meet our budget. And we're just so grateful for that, your generosity. Thank you for continuing to give. It allows us to do things like camp. It allows us to do things like our United Service even today. So thank you for your continued generosity. You can give online, rockhillbc.com give. Thank you for your courageous generosity. But then lastly, in-person attendance. You know, this, this whole season of COVID, I mean, remember a year ago that just things have been just so out of joint. We're averaging anywhere from 60 to 70% of our in-person numbers that we were prior to COVID. If you, if you added our online attendance, we're far exceeding our in-person attendance from a year ago. However, however, just think if five to 10% of you return back to in-person come this July or into August. Just think about that. If just 10% of you decided to come back to in-person, that would be anywhere from 100 to 150 people who showed up in person once again. I know many of you have gotten into a new routine and we understand that, but I can tell you, I can tell you the greatest routine you can ever have is to get back in to in-person worship with the church family. We'd love to see you, love to minister with you and hope to see you soon. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 6. We've been in a series called Summer in the Psalms, and we're at our sixth psalm, and we're just doing 10 psalms this summer. And now we're at Psalm 6. And while you're turning there, I want you to know that this is a penitent psalm. This is a, a psalm of repentance that David cries out. There's, there's seven of these psalms throughout the book of Psalms. And this particular one uh, isn't the most famous one. It, it has some challenges to it and some things that we'll look at in the text. But the most famous one, most likely to all of us, would be Psalm 51. And you may not know what that is off the top of your head. However, you may remember the moment, the moment that David is confronted by the prophet 
Nathan. Nathan comes to David and confronts him about his, his relationship that was birthed out of sin with Bathsheba. And it's in that psalm that David cries out in repentance for his sin. So it's a penitent psalm. So this psalm is similar to that in that it's a psalm of repentance that David cries out. So as you're there, let me, let me just ask a question. Ha have you ever had some news come your way that caused you to cry? Now, I know sometimes as men, oh, men real men don't cry. No, no, I, I think real men do cry. But have you ever received news or information that has just caused your, your inner being to well up and even swell up and cause you just to burst into tears? A, a, a type of brokenness that is unmatched, a type of brokenness that cannot be compared. And it may be because you get in something from the external, something from the outside is pressing you. Or it may be something internal. It's something inside of you has caused this moment of great grief and pain and sorrow. See, for David, while we don't know 100% sure what the situation was, it very likely could have been that Absalom was after him. Absalom was his son who wanted to take the throne from David. And many of the early Psalms deal with that very thing. It could be that all these men and women who had been loyal to David are now loyal to Absalom. And so now David has, to a large degree, lost his friends and lost those that he cared about deeply. But also, while that is external, we can surmise that much of what was going on in David's life was not so much just the eternal pressure, but the internal struggle with sin. And that's what we pick up here in Psalm Six. So we're going to be in Psalm 6, and what helps us to know that you're with us and engaged is for you to type Word. Now, you can say Word at your house, but we love to see you interact with us online. So Psalm 6, and we're going to see how what is going on in David's life causes him great grief and where he turns to find relief from that grief. So let's look at Psalm 6 together, starting in verse 1. If you're there, will you type Word? All right. David writes, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. Do not discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, Lord. Here it is. For I am weak. Heal me, Lord. Watch this now. For my bones are shaking. My whole being is shaken with terror. And you, Lord, how long? Verse 4. Turn, Lord, rescue me, save me because of, we watched this last week, your faithful love. For there is no remembrance of you in death. Who can thank you in Sheol? I am weary from my groaning with my tears. I dampen my bed and drench my couch every night. My eyes are swollen from grief. They grow old because of all of my Enemies. Now watch the sharp turn here in verse 8. Depart from me, all evildoers, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea for help. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and shake with terror. They will turn back and suddenly be disgraced. 
The first thing that David does in this prayer is that he considers his life. He considers his life. Now notice what he, he says, and even in the verse 2, he says, I'm weak, I'm weary, I, I am languishing, is what some translations say. He, he'll go on to say, my bones are troubled, I am weary. See, what I love about David's prayer is that he, he doesn't try to sell God on something that he is not. He's not trying to impress God with uh, a statement or a reality that, that is not true to what's really happening in his life. See, David isn't coming and saying, I am strong, I am confident, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing fine. He, he's not starting there in his praying to God. He, he's coming out of the chute. Hey, don't disappoint me in your wrath. Don't be angry. I'm weary. I'm, I'm broken. My bones, my, my bones are shaking. See, I think the danger in some of our praying is that we pray overly confident to the Lord, like we're doing better than we really are. Or, or we actually don't ever pray because we don't think that we really need any help. See, I think some of us are overly confident in our praying. And there's some of us that are so confident in our own abilities to handle life that we don't bring anything to the Lord in prayer. I don't really care how long you've been attending church, although I care that you do attend. I'm not really interested in how long you've been a Sunday school teacher or, or even a deacon. You, you can do all of those things. But a Christian is somebody who is decidedly broken and honest about their condition and therefore repentant for their sin. The Christian is somebody who doesn't just think that it's all going to be all right. They're somebody who confronts their sinfulness, broken over it. This is what David does. David knows, and he will later write in Psalm 139, God knows where I am. God knows where I sit. God knows where I rise. God knows where I'm going. God knows where my coming and going, what I'm doing, even the thoughts of my own heart. David considers his life and he gets super honest with God. Have you, have you been honest to God lately? Have you considered your life and said, it's just time. God already knows these things. It's just time for me to get honest with him. David's reasons for weakness. David's reason for groanings. David's reason for his bones shaking. David's reason for this moment of great despair and weeping that causes his own bed to have a pool of water below it and his couch to be drenched. It's external, but a lot of it also is internal. Again, we don't know for sure what the condition or situation was externally for David. We can surmise some, but we do know that David is just like us. David dealt with sin. David dealt with his own rebellion against the Lord. And the text tells us that he's so distraught over this that even his bones are shaking. And, and listen, I have zero scientific evidence for this. I, I did Google and I, I couldn't find anything that verifies this, but there's this, there's this sense of where when you've been confronted with some terrible news that your bones physically begin to shake. I mean, have you ever gotten that news? That news of whatever it may be, maybe physical or maybe news that you receive about a loved one or about someone that you're caring for and you just begin to tremor. Your whole body begins to go into shock. 
I don't have any scientific evidence to say that those things are always going to be linked, but I, I will say this. David tells us that his bones are shaking. Some translations say that his, his soul was shaking. Just think, you've, you've realized your sin. You've realized that your sin separates you from the holy and eternal God. You become confronted with this reality. What, what does your body do? It physically begins to become consumed with this thought of terror that it's going to separate you from God forever. He, and you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to just slough it off and think, no, I'm doing pretty good. Or you try to ignore it, covering it up with maybe more makeup or more uh, image bearing things to think that I can just overcome this by compensating it with something to fill it. But here's, here's something H.B. Charles said. He said this, it is impossible to be honest with God when you are trying to impress him with how good you are. It's impossible to be honest with God when you are trying to impress him with how good you are. David, when he considers his life, does not pretend to be better than he actually is. David doesn't try, when he's considering his life, try to impress others with how good he is or manipulate his, the opinion of others to elevate who he is before them. You don't have to pretend anymore. For our country on this July 4th weekend, for our country to be a great country, for us to be a great church, it's not going to be dependent on who's in the White House. It's not going to be dependent on who's in the Supreme Court or who's our senator or House of Representatives. It doesn't matter. Those things, those things are important, but they are not going to determine if we're going to be great. What's going to determine that is if the people of God get serious about the Word of God penetrating every arena of their lives. And so for David, he's confronted with his sin He's realizing the depth of it. And he says, I'm tired of it. I'm, I've come to a place of physical weakness. My bones are shaking. My, my eyes are puffed up from the languishing and the tears that are coming down. What am I going to do? David's gotten gut level honest. Have you gotten gut level honest with God? See, we numb ourselves with entertainment. See, we, we want to get to Netflix and, well, I'll just watch one show. And not just one show, we'll watch an entire season doing everything to avoid the things that we really need to do. David is in a situation and he cannot numb himself. Many of us have tried to numb ourselves from the pain and anguish of whatever's going on in our lives. We've hidden from God. But can I just tell you, you can't hide from Him. He, he knows where you lie. He knows where you rise. He knows even the thoughts of your heart. I'll try to illustrate this before I get to how David is going to deal with all of this. If you have a medical condition, you can live in the illusion that if you ignore it, it'll just go away. But if you've received a negative medical diagnosis and you're unwilling to receive the treatment that will properly address that negative medical diagnosis, 
you will not be healed. See, see, some of us have been walking through this life super frustrated with a lot of things. Or, or we've given ourselves to other kinds of sin, not realizing that it's all rooted to this not dealing with what's really going on under the surface. We become fixated on somebody else's sin. And boy, is it easy to get fixated on somebody else's sin. When instead, we should get serious and fixated on our sin and then do what happens to him. Then we, we confront it and then we are healed from it. David begins knowing that he's a sin, sinner in verse 1 by saying, Lord, show mercy on me. Do not rebuke me in your anger. Do not discipline me in your wrath. He's pleading for mercy. Discipline is good for us, is it not? Discipline is a sign of fatherhood. Discipline is a sign of love and care from your mom and your dad. Discipline, kids, this is for the kids. Discipline is good for kids because it helps them know the boundaries of which they need to go on. As a parent, we have to come to the realization that our children are not always right. It's good for us to discipline our children. I heard it once said that discipline is painful in the immediate, but purposeful in the long run. So David considers his life. He asked the Lord not to rebuke him in anger. And we all know that we've, we've disciplined. Sometimes we have come to places where we've disciplined our kids in anger. and We've repented of it. But what does David do with all this? Look at ver again at verse 4. Verse 4 is critical again. He says, turn Lord, rescue me, save me, save me because of your faithful love. This word, faithful love, some translations say steadfast love, but in the, again, the Hebrew is chesed. We, we discussed this last week, but faithful love is God's love displayed to us. God's faithful love was displayed to us when he poured out his wrath on Jesus Christ when God took all the sins of the world and poured them out onto the man in the middle of the two thieves. This is the faithful love that David's appealing to. The only way David can get out, the only way his weariness, the only way his languishing, the only way his bones can stop shaking, the only way that his eyes will no longer be puffed up and swollen from the tears is the faithful Love, the covenantal love of God coming down and rescuing him. There's no other out for David. There's no other possible way to get around. There's only the faithful love of God. See, when Jesus bore the sins of the world on the cross, it was punishment for Christ, but it was mercy for us. Jesus bore all the punishment, all the pain, and Jesus paid all the penalty for your sin. And if you live your life trying to pay back to God, notice David doesn't anywhere in this text say, what can I do to resolve this weariness? What can I do to keep my bones from shaking? What can I do to stop my swollenness? No, he just says, rescue me, save me. David's appeal is not to his own works. David's appeal is not to his own ability. I hope you see this. It's Christ's work that saves us. It's to the covenantal God that David turns his appeal to, to be rescued from the punishment and the sin that he's 
in. Let me ask you a question that we don't really ask anymore because we, eh, it's just a little abrasive, but it's a question that we asked growing up, that I was asked growing up. And here's, here's two questions. Are you saved? Are you saved? You say, man, are we having a tent revival? Well, some of us are this afternoon, but are you, are you saved? It's a question we rarely ask people these days, but a question that was often on the front end of conversations with people who are far from God, hoping that they could become followers of Jesus. Are you saved? Maybe a, a different question that we don't really ask much anymore, but I think is a question that is pertinent because Jesus asked this question or made this statement. Are you born again? Are you born again? If you answered to the are you saved or are you born again questions with I don't know, then I can tell you you are not. You say, well, that's judgmental. No, 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 no. Let me illustrate this. Let me illustrate this. If you're married and I asked you, are you, are you married? And you said, I don't know. Then you're not married. See, see if you're married, you know that you're married. Like, you're going to know full well, yeah, I am married. There's a certificate. There's, there's, there's a, a combination of, of incomes happening. Like, you know these things. So, again, the question, are you saved? Are you born again? If you do not know, I mean, look, if God's faithful love doesn't happen in verse 4, he says, if God doesn't rescue me, if God doesn't save me, if I don't become born again, in essence is what he's saying, there is no remembrance then. There's no way to thank you in Sheol. There's no way to praise the Lord from the separation that extends if you're not saved, if you're not born again. Today can be a day, though, that you say, Lord, rescue me. Lord, save me. Lord, make me be born again. And in your living room or on your tablet or while you're driving and while you're listening to this, you can simply admit to God your sin. You can believe that only through Jesus you can be saved and you can confess Him as Lord and Savior. And He promises us that when we do this with a, with a sure heart, with a sincere heart, He saves us and He then secures us and He holds us. For if God does not rescue David, there will be no rescue. If God doesn't come and extend his chesed, his faithful love, there will be no hope for David. And so he considers his life. And in his considering of his life, he recognizes he's weak, he's weary, his eyes are swollen from his tears, his couch is drenched. So again, let me ask you, have you ever received news that caused you to cry? Now this psalm is in two parts. In, in my Bible, uh, verses 1 through 7 are on one page and verses 8 through 10 are on another page. And that isn't necessarily by design. It just so happens that's the way the printing came out. But in my Bible, as you turn the page, it's as if the whole page turns in the psalm. There's no middle commentary of what happens in between all of this. You've got all this anguish, all this pain, asking God to rescue him in 1 through 7. And then all of a sudden the page turns into verses 8 through 10 and it's as if David is a new man. Again, he, he then directs and he challenges his enemies. David considers his life, point one, 
Point two is David challenges his enemies. It's like all of a sudden the whole thing turns. The page turns, something new, a new leaf has been turned, a new season in David's life, and he just begins to challenge his evildoers. He says, depart from me, all you enemies, all you evildoers. Why can he say that? Well, look again at verse 8. The Lord has heard the voice or the sound of my weeping. Some translations say voice of my weeping as if, the language of the weeping. By the way, what, what is the language of, of tears? What, 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 language, what language can we connect tears to? Well, they're universal. Tears aren't connected to one language. If, if I see somebody who I have no verbal way to communicate with them, but I see them weeping, I can connect heart with them. And in a, to a degree, David is saying, God has heard the voice or the sound of my weeping. He's come to me. He's rescued me. He has heard my plea. He has heard my cry. This is the beauty of the gospel, that in Christ we have a mediator. In Christ we have someone who hears us when we pray. So let me ask, are you honest with your condition with God? Some of you, as you're listening to this, the, the creek of your life is bone dry. It's been a spell of dry season. You're weary from the week that you just had. You've gotten bad news after bad news after bad news. You can't even get your kayak into the water because there's no water in the creek. And some of you, even in listening to this, have felt bad for some time. And maybe, maybe you're just really not sure where to turn. Well, then you have someone to relate to here in Psalm 6. D David has said, I'm weary and I'm languished. I've come deflated. I've come defeated. But if you just cry out, rescue me, Lord. Rescue me according to your faithful love. No matter how low you might be, the Lord hears the sound in the voice of your weeping. And when that happens, he has accepted your prayer. And all of the enemies, as David will say, all of my enemies will be ashamed and they will shake in terror. Notice that it goes from my bones are shaking now to my enemies are shaking. And they will turn back and they will be disgraced. Look, the enemy is on the prowl. His efforts are to steal, kill, and destroy and when we cry out to God, rescue me, no longer are you shaking, but he's shaking. So in your life, let God search your heart. In your life, consider your ways. And when you consider your ways, you'll know that he, in his faithful love, has extended grace to you, mercy towards you. He will discipline you, but he will not do it in anger. And for you today... What is your answer to the question? What is your answer to the, the, to the question, am I saved? Am I born again? Maybe today can be that day. Will you pray with me? Father, we come now and we ask, Lord, that there would be a sense of freedom for these people. For those who've listened today, that there will be a sense of your grace and comfort and kindness towards them. God, help us all. Help us all to find that today. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.
Thank you again for joining us. We ask that if you have a prayer concern, that you would write prayer underneath. And we'll have someone contact you this very week to talk with you. But maybe today you're looking for a place to come and make your home. Rock Hill BC, Rock Hill Baptist Church here in Brownsboro Chandler is a place we want to welcome you to come and be part. We thank you for joining us today and have a great rest of your holiday week. We'll see you later.